Truth News Network. The police are the enemy of society. Rioters are not. Conservatives are the enemy of society. Terrorists are not. Individuals who are not afraid are the enemy of society. But dictators are not. And as society cowers in the basement in compliance with nonsense mandates, they decry those who are living free as the enemies of society. Orwell nailed it, didn't he? You know who else nails it? Dan Newman. Why don't we just do that together today? Why don't we just go find out what everything's about that's going on around us that we don't know why it's going on around us? OMG. Yeah, I can talk the Facebook social media lingo. OMG. SMH. Shake my head. I can't figure it out, folks. I'm pretty sure you are unable to figure it all out. Maybe you got some of it. I think I've got some of it, but not all of it. So what we're going to do today, something brand new. We're going to dig in. We're going to find out some more about some things that we suspected, but many of which we have not been able to confirm until now. Wow, overnight, our stories always publish at 1.45 a.m. automatically. Uh, that's central time every morning. When a new story goes up, it comes out early. So what that means is all of our readers and listeners from overseas pretty much get a jump on us. Just before we went live this morning, I just took a look. Over a million people have already looked in and read our story that went live overnight. Where is Biden sending illegals via those late night flights and why? Folks, this is just one little piece of the horrors that are happening under this presidential administration. And we don't get any answers. When you ask his appointed anointed one, that's Jen Psaki, to answer all the questions that we have and mainstream media and even conservative media folks are asking in these White House press briefings, all we ever get is the political narrative of the Biden administration. Seldom do we get the truth. And quite honestly, about these illegals being transported all across the United States at night in secret, why? Who's doing it? We don't know. But we do know this. The stories are plentiful. The eyewitness accounts are numerous. Yet the answers to the questions are zero. Of course, we're referring to the very obvious transportation of hundreds and probably thousands of illegal immigrants in secret across the U.S. And this big secret is being tightly held by members of the Biden administration, especially those in Alejandro Mayorkas's Department of Homeland Security and other members of Biden's inner circle. Even members of Congress either don't have the answers or they're lying about it. That indisputable fact begs the question that has not yet been answered. By who? The guy at the top, Joe Biden. Why are the American taxpayers funding pleasure junkets for illegals? Where are they going? And who numbers among those getting those opportunities? Maybe today, maybe just maybe, we now have some answers for you. The cover is blown, or is it? (laughs) 
So after months of delay, the Department of Homeland Security replied late last month to a congressional demand for information about the number of illegal migrants the department has flown from border towns to communities around the country. In 2021, 71,617 were dropped off in nearly 20 cities, including locales as far from the Mexican border as Atlanta, Chicago, New York, and Philadelphia. Immigration experts critical of this administration's permissive immigration policies, which basically, and I'll interject my editorial comment here, their immigration policies are, we don't have any. Anybody want to come, just come on down. But these other real immigration experts believe those numbers are incomplete. In other words, the 71,617, they say that number does not even come close Think about that. And they point to this number being off, especially about the most vulnerable of those illegal migrants, those under age 18, who DHS classifies as unaccompanied children. DHS says about 40,000 of the total transported are those minors. Still, that number is only a fraction of the 147,000 Encounters, their word, encounters, the agency reports having with unaccompanied migrant children at the southern border between January and October of last year. Most significant among the questions raised by these transports is what happens to those unaccompanied kids once they leave the airport. The major cities, DHS list, the experts say, or probably simply way stations rather than the final destinations for these kids. And way in the back of my mind, when I found this report, all of a sudden a red flag went up, and I don't want to believe this. I don't want to believe it. But folks, there is no justification whatsoever. Forget about breaking federal immigration laws every day by just opening up the border and letting anybody come. There is no justification for not having a total paper trail on all these kids. Folks, when you look around the world and you put what is happening in our world around us, there are hundreds of thousands of kids from around the world, all countries, who are being sold for sex slavery. How could this administration, this is the United States of America, how could this president or any other not, even if you're going to justify somehow sending these kids or these people all across the nation, even though you're breaking the law when you allow this to happen on your watch, forget about that for a moment, not having documented proof showing not only where these kids are going, showing who's getting these kids once they get there and having vetted all of the circumstances these kids are being turned over to to make sure those kids are being safe. There's something amiss here. There's something big amiss with that. Everyone wants to know where they're going, but nobody knows. That's Todd Benzman said that, a national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, which is a Washington-based think tank. 
Well, somebody knows, he adds. The government knows. But they're being as opaque and darkened windows as they can be about the entire matter. The lack of information raises a bunch of questions regarding the health and welfare of the kids and a whole lot more, like these. What security checks are being performed? And background checks to ensure these minors are going to safe places. How can checks be conducted on family members in the U.S. illegally who wind up taking custody of the children? And folks, there was a study that happened in 2019 about this very thing, and that was the number one problem that this study confirmed. They're supposedly turning these kids over to quote-unquote family members that were already here. Now, how the heck are you going to vet family members that are already here that came here illegally and came here without a background investigation? Answer to all this, they don't know. Second part of that answer, they obviously don't care. What processes are in place to ensure these children have enough to eat after receiving any necessary medical care? Or are they enrolled in schools? What traumas or crimes have they suffered along the way at the hands of human traffickers, for example? And how are those cases handled? What pandemic precautions have been taken beyond masks seen in some furtively taken images of those transportees by an administration that professes to be aggressively dedicated to eradicating COVID-19? Illegal immigrants dispersed on commercial flights back last year were not tested for COVID. Agencies did not follow preventive procedures, according to preliminary findings of a DHS Inspector General's report that was reviewed by Real Clear Politics Investigations. Who's responsible for ensuring the migrants, especially the kids, check in with the government, show up for court immigration hearings? So the impossibility of getting answers of any kind from this administration is frustrating many state and local officials who say that tracking the thousands of illegal immigrants melting into their communities is a maddening endeavor. They don't know where the government's sending them. The Biden administration is running a clandestine, covert, middle-of-the-night special ops mission using the same tradecraft the military does in operations against our foreign enemies. Larry Keefe said that. Larry is a senior policy advisor to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We don't know what's going on because the states are not designed to mount intelligence-gathering operations against our own government. Now think about that for a moment. The situation is complicated by the layers of groups that are involved. After a gumbo of federal agencies like Customs and Border Patrol, DHS, DHHS, ICE, the government largely relies on nonprofit contractors called NGOs, non government organizations, to handle all these kids. While those groups present a rosy picture on their websites, it's unclear how they can handle what has proven to be a massive increase. Last year, DHS shelters near the border and further inland 
took in 122,000 unaccompanied children, according to its own numbers that it gave to us. Who believes their numbers that they gave to us are true? Raise your hand. Right now, raise your hand. Well, even if the 122,000 is true, that number shattered the previous record of 69,000 from 2019. It's almost twice as many. The unaccompanied kids are but a portion of the illegals who flooded across our border in 2021. For the fiscal year ending last October, Customs and Border Patrol reported 1.6 million encounters. That's another record and four times the figure of the previous year. Four times. What changed in that year? What changed to make it four times higher? Joe Biden changed it. He became president, and he opened the border and told everybody he was going to do it before the election. Although the number of these encounters, these are the people that they actually ran into, it doesn't equal the number of people who crossed some of those people, a big number we find out, or repeat offenders. The actual numbers are even higher because Border Patrol does not release the number of gotaways it records. Those are the ones that are seen on, you know, electronic surveillance, drones that are flying. They, they show up, they know they're coming in, but they don't find them. Neither Homeland Security, nor Health and Human Services, nor the Office of Refugee Resettlement would answer any questions about the resettlement process. But the big increase in these numbers means the organizations dealing with them are flooded. They're swamped. In many cases, responsibilities for placing unaccompanied children with families or sponsors, that process is subcontracted through the ORR, Official Office of Refugee Resettlement. In 2020, which is the most recent year for which numbers are available, During the Trump administration's far more restrictive immigration policies, we spent, taxpayers, us, me and you, we spent more than a billion five hundred million dollars among 42 nonprofit and religious groups that offer help with housing, educational, medical, and legal, and other services to these illegal immigrants. A billion and a half. More than a billion of that 2020 total was paid to just six Group, six groups. The number one recipient, Southwest Key Programs. They got a paltry $400 million. According to tracking of ORR contracts, a global nonprofit called BCFS received at least $253 million from Maya Pogni Barak, a professor of criminology and criminal studies at the University of Michigan-Dearborn. None of the six groups would answer any questions. Instead, they refer them back to the feds in the kind of loop that has frustrated everybody looking for information. This is all being done under the cover of darkness. No one knows what is happening. That's from Rosemary Jinks, Director of Government Relations at Numbers USA, a group that favors limits on immigration. She said, plus, there's so much confusion over who has custody over which groups. According to their websites, the groups handling unaccompanied children 
have locations scattered across the U.S. For example, it runs shelters in 18 states. At the same time, BCFS lists shelters in a dozen states, from California and New York to Colorado, Illinois, North Carolina, Oregon, Tennessee, and elsewhere. A fact sheet from ICE, Immigration and Custom Enforcements, notes that there are sites for unaccompanied children in 22 states. The operator's blanket silence beyond rosy websites is not a new development regarding shelter conditions. Back in 2018, when the Trump administration's border policies were being looked at closely, Southwest Key barred Democrat Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley from inspecting its Casa Padre facility in a former Walmart down in Brownsville, Texas. At that time, Nancy Pelosi declared the system that was being used, folks, the one that was being used. Of course, what's the difference now? Well, Donald Trump, the orange man, was running the show. Now, it's Joe, Uncle Joe. Nancy declared it barbaric when it was happening in the Trump administration. Now, she doesn't say a word, and it's worse than it was then. To shed some light on the situation down in Florida, Governor DeSantis, he issued an executive order fourth quarter last year that told state law enforcement and other folks to start gathering info on the number of illegals federal agencies were bringing to their state and where they ended up. He did that after accusing Biden of abandoning any pretense of protecting the southern border. In the face of what Keefe and other Florida officials described as continued intransigence on the part of federal agencies flying and busing illegals into their state, Governor DeSantis has proposed a package of laws now pending before the legislature in Tallahassee. If it passes, it would codify the steps laid out in his executive order. The proposed measures would also, quote, prohibit state and local agencies from doing business with any private entities that facilitate the resettlement of illegals in the state of Florida from the southern border. In December, Florida's Department of Children and Families published an emergency rule that directly addresses those nonprofits and religious groups that contract with the federal government for this. The rule prohibits the issuance or the renewal of any license to provide services to UAC who seek to be resettled in Florida, unless the state and the federal agencies can craft some type of cooperative agreement. Keefe said the governor's moves would also put a crimp in human smuggling because the children lack documentation to board international flights from Central American airports and others. Somebody pays to have them brought from their country here to the U.S. border. These are often criminal organizations that are most likely paid by family members with whom the children may eventually be reunited. That's the claim of these illegal, these people that are doing this operation, or human trafficking syndicates posing to be legitimate sponsors. That, if they get these kids, you and I both know this, it's a great probability they'll exploit them for their nefarious purposes. 
We don't have laws in place to investigate our federal government, Keefe said. We're being kept in the dark by our own country on something that's contributing to human smuggling because this is about bringing their kids here. Somebody drops them off at the border. And then HHS is handing off to taxpayers the cost of flying them to illegal immigrant parents, supposedly. Pennsylvania lawmakers, they're facing a similar situation. It's not just the border states, folks. Keystone State Senators are dissatisfied with answers they've looked for on flights packed with immigrants from the southern border that landed in the middle of the night in Scranton and other Pennsylvania airports. In December, there were at least two so-called ghost flights into the Lehigh Valley, a tiny fraction of the more than 900 such domestic flights ISIS air arm flew around the U.S. last year. Republican State Senator Doug Mastriano and the others sought answers from Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf and Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who, by the way, both are Democrats. While Wolf said Scranton was simply a transit point, he offered no info on passengers who landed there in the early morning darkness. The state lawmakers were told to direct their questions, guess who? To the feds. Oh, that's not us. We don't know anything about it, which is horse hockey. Mastriano has now filed a series of FOIA requests of DHS and ICE, but he's still perplexed and angered at the reluctance of those involved in the system to give us clear answers. On two flights from El Paso to Scranton, there were 120 passengers, most of which were minors. Imagine that. I don't know who paid for their schooling or the impact on our community, and there's something fishing going on with all this. That's the Attorney General, Mastriano. The scan information that's been provided, it's unlikely it will offer a complete picture. I think these findings are just the tip of the iceberg, he said. We need to examine further the total number of illegal immigrants being sent here by plane and by bus. It's not just minors. They're sending to Pennsylvania. It's adults, too. Only one thing. Yeah, there's, there is something that's certain about this, but there's only one thing that's certain about this insanity. Someone or some group is desperate to bring as many illegals as possible into the United States. No answers as to why. But there's only one thing that's certain. They're coming, and they're going to continue to come until somebody stops Joe Biden. Somebody stops Alejandro Mayorkas. Now, let me tell you how stupid this thing is we're living in. There are people that are listening to me right now say that. It'll happen until somebody stops Joe Biden. It'll happen until somebody stops DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, somebody's going to interpret my saying that instead of dealing with why I'm saying it and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other Americans are saying the same things. They'll say that's a threat against the President of the United States and ahead a Secretary of one of the departments in his administration. 
They're all so desperate that they dismiss the massive number of federal law violations they have piled up in this process. Wait a minute. There's one more certainty. President Biden obviously does not mind that his allowing these criminal actions to happen at this request are federal crimes on his part. I guess what that means is there's no necessity to honor any federal laws if you're confident that those in power, including this United States president, will guarantee you, go ahead. There's not going to be any accountability for it. Folks, everything you just heard is fact. And we've been digging, looking at this, as have numerous other people for months and months and months. What you just heard are the only facts that we've been able to scramble and get in this entire saga. So if we got that, can you imagine how much worse the truth of it all, the answers are in that? There's a reason why more than a million people have read this story this morning so far. It's because people are concerned. We're concerned. And our concern is growing. And folks, we're really close to turning the corner from being, how can we change this? What can we do to stop it? Why can't we talk to those in government and get the real answers from them? We're about to leave that as a nation. And we're about to say, make it stop in very demonstrative fashion. Make it stop, Mr. President. You can stop it. Make it stop. No, I'm not advocating anything other than for us to reach out in peaceful fashion and make our thoughts known to everybody in leadership and government over us from every level, your town, your state, and of course, your representatives in the United States Congress. Call the White House. You'll get the switchboard, but call the White House and give them your opinion. Ask them to record a message. It probably won't get to Joe Biden, but somebody in his daisy chain of little people below him will get the information. And maybe, just maybe, you can get a message to the right people. Who are the right people? I don't don't have a clue, folks. I don't have a clue. We've had Congressman Mike Johnson on this show multiple times, Congressman Steve Scalise. Those are two people that are pretty powerful. They're both in the United States House of Representatives. Steve Scalise is the minority whip. Mike Johnson's the chairman of one of the most important committees in the House of Representatives. They, neither of them can get anything done. So I don't know what it's going to take. I'm just saying, while we're figuring all of that out, we all need to do one thing in unison. We need to pray. We need to pray for those kids. We need to pray for the legitimate parents that are worried about their kids and probably don't know where their kids are or who they're with. And then we need to pray for all of our lawmakers, the people that put all of this together. I know you you don't want to pray for them. They're, They're really bad people. They're doing bad things. 
We're instructed biblically as Christians to pray for all of those in authority over us, whether we agree or not. Pray for them that they'll change their minds. They'll stop bending towards whatever purposes are bending them away from doing the things that they swore oaths to do when they were elected and promised to serve the American people. I know how a bunch of you feel. And let me just say this. We're not alone. We are not alone. So what else is happening around the world? What do we have today to talk about? Well, you're going to hear from the president in just a moment. Uh, You're going to hear from Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. And uh, we've got some other folks you're going to hear from. One of them is one of my favorite from right here in Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy. And he was on Sean Hannity's show last night. And I mean, he just ripped in to President Joe Biden. It's kind of humorous. He's become kind of like a Mark Twain of this generation. Um, it's not just the things he says. It's in part, large part it is, but the way he says it. Senator Kennedy, along with Sean Hannity, uh, Joe Manchin, Representative Jason Smith, who is a, the minority leader on a very prestigious House committee, he'll be in too. And of course, the President of the United States. In fact, Joe Biden's up right after this at TNN Live. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries, bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy, the white round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert, they're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? 
Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Boy, that term fits this storyline today, doesn't it? Weapons-grade stupidity. Before we get to the president, and uh, we're going to do that in just a moment, another little tad of uh, information comes out of Alejandro Mayorkas' Department of Homeland Security. This goes in the in the category of what I always say. If you want to not talk about something specific, what you do is you deny and you deflect. What does that mean? You change the narrative. Uh, if you could ask why you're doing something, you basically say, oh, I'm not doing it. We're getting blamed for it. Somebody else is responsible. So Mayorkas is under fire. There are a bunch of people that want to impeach him and get him gone. Of course, you can't get that started in Congress unless you have control of the House of Representatives where constitutionally all impeachment processes must begin. So what do you do? Well, everybody's after Mayorkas. He won't even do an interview any, anymore lately because every time he gets busted with the truth. So what does he do? His Department of Homeland Security has declared we're living in a heightened terrorism threat atmosphere. Why? Because of, quote, false and misleading narratives, misinformation, and conspiracy theories. This I'm fixing to give you a sentence out of the actual DHS bulletin that came out a couple of days ago. The United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. That's from a bulletin. What did I tell you is going on? Deny and deflect. Every time Alejandro Mayorkas, before he decided he was going to go dark and not do interviews because he was getting busted, he tried to explain everything and make it very minimal of what you, he basically inferred every time he was asked questions before Senate and House committees, he would correct the questioners, those elected members of the House and the Senate who would ask him questions, he would correct them, intimating without calling them liars that they were lying and didn't have the truth. Of course, in this bulletin, he didn't state what foreign or what domestic actors or responsible for what he called the proliferation of misinformation or disinformation. Mass casualty attacks and other acts of targeted violence conducted by lone offenders and small groups acting in furtherance of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances pose an ongoing threat to the nation. Again, this is from the bulletin noting that some individuals are seeking to sow discord or undermine public trust and U.S. government institutions. Some individuals are calling for violence against critical infrastructure, they say, faith-based institutions, 
such as churches or synagogues, colleges, government personnel or facilities, and other targets. Again, that came from the bulletin. So what kind of examples, if they referenced anything, did they reference to support these allegations? As an example, DHS stated that there are misleading narratives surrounding COVID-19. And they claim that some individuals have used COVID-19 mandates or vaccines to carry out attacks since 2020. They didn't elaborate or provide additional evidence for these allegations. Go figure, huh? DHS also listed online claims of election fraud as a contributor, and it again didn't provide additional details or evidence. Why do that? When you can whip a populace, a big majority of the populace, with your lies, your allegations, just because you're the government and you're saying it so, you've done it very successfully now for about a year. So why change it? Why give people facts? You don't have to. Hmm. Foreign terrorist organizations and domestic threat actors continue to amplify pre-existing false or misleading narratives online to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions, they said. They stated violent extremists, including the individual who recently launched an attack against that Jewish synagogue in Texas, highlight the continuing threat of violence based upon racial or religious motivations, as well as the threats against faith-based organizations. Now listen, before we leave this, and before we go to our president, let me ask you this. When I heard FBI Director Christopher Wray testify before, I think it was the Senate, a few weeks ago, and he actually said the number one threat to the United States is domestic terrorism. And when he defined it, he defined it as a way that makes absolutely no sense. I just listened, and instead of getting mad and throwing something ugly at my computer screen, I just sat back and thought about it for a minute. Let me ask you this. With all the criminality that is thrown into our faces every day, and I mean really serious stuff, people are getting shot, people are getting beat up, people are losing assets because people are breaking in and stealing and doing this, people aren't comfortable with walking their streets anymore, in the face of all of that, and then into the middle of that, you throw the horrors that happened, happened during the year last year and the summer of 2020 that happened in major cities around the nation. Things like every night for more than 120 nights in a row in Portland, Oregon, Antifa thugs destroyed the downtown area of that city, beat people up, they actually put several federal officers in the hospital, two of them which are permanently blind. That's Antifa in Portland. And don't forget about what happened in Minneapolis and Rochester, New York, and Chicago, and New York City, and Atlanta, and Baltimore, and Philadelphia. Black Lives Matter everywhere, causing billions of dollars of damages to federal and private property, 
people were killed, people got hurt, and they destroyed businesses. Folks, these weren't foreign actors. FBI Director Ray didn't even mention any of this as acts of domestic terrorism. I don't care what their legal or their um, definition, whatever they call it, of domestic terrorism in, the one that they prefer. It makes no difference. Domestic means here in the United States. People from here in the United States. Antifa thugs from the United States. Black Lives Matter thugs here from the United States. Oh, everybody wanted to pander. Everybody on the left did pander. Many others wanted to pander to Black Lives Matter for more than a year. George Soros, folks, he gave Black Lives Matter $220 million that we know of that's documented. Now, what the heck would any kind of political activity, active group need for 200, with $200 million? What would they need with it? Well, they got to help those African-American people that lost all this stuff that have been egregiously handled. They've been impacted by racial strife, by white supremacy actions. They had to have a lot of money. They're doing a lot of that. No, they don't. They didn't do any of it. None of it. In fact, recently, all of a sudden, very quietly, we're finding out Nobody knows where the money that was donated by George Soros and numerous other big corporations pandering, pandering to the black activist, trying to buy peace. That money has disappeared. Nobody knows who, nobody knows where. But none of those actions were domestic terrorism, right? None, not a single one. Enough about that. The DHS, (laughs) they're gone, folks. They are gone. They don't have any kind of leadership. They are nothing but sycophants, hardcore open borders people. And I'm not talking about the Border Patrol folks. I'm not talking about the ICE agents. I'm talking about the people that circle the boardroom in the White House where all of those officials get together and have meetings with this president. Those folks, they don't give a rip about the rule of law. They don't get a rip about breaking federal laws. They ignore immigration laws. And not only are they doing it, they're no longer trying to hide anything. In fact, they're proud of it. They trumpet the fact. We're the protectors of illegal immigrants. We're the ones that are the righteous ones. We owe it to them to let them come unfettered into this nation. And we're doing it, even though while we do it, when we're doing it, we're breaking federal laws. Why would they keep doing it? They're not being held accountable for any of their law breaking, including this president. So what about our president? Well, folks, he's got a lot on his plate right now. And I know you know that. First of all, let me say this. I have made fun numerous times on this radio show, I've made fun of this president about his obvious cognitive declination. It's going downhill. And I want to apologize for any of you that 
my doing so has offended you. Although we are watching truthfully, we are watching his decline, and none of us should be happy about it. We should all be very concerned. And as I said about 30 minutes ago, the Bible instructs every Christian to pray for those in authority over us, and that would include the President of the United States. And I pray for this president every day. When Barack Obama, uh, when Donald Trump, when George W. Bush, when Bill Clinton, Bush 41, when they were presidents, I I prayed for them. I didn't always agree with their policies. In fact, I didn't agree with all of anybody that's been president during my lifetime. I don't agree with everything, but I pray for them. It's kind of like this. I don't know what airline, commercial airline, you choose to fly. Pretty much for me, for a long time it was Delta Airline because they had great connections out of Shreveport. Um, had a, about a 45-minute flight on a full-size jet from Shreveport to Dallas-Fort Worth. From there you go anywhere. Well, then Delta decided to pull their minor hub out of Dallas, which meant you had to go to Atlanta to their hub. They had one for a while in Cincinnati, but they pulled that out. And not only did they uh, move those minor hubs, do away with them, that trip to Atlanta, I'm flying on a crop duster. American Airlines then became my choice. They still had full-size jets out of here to Dallas-Fort Worth and also to Atlanta. No more. In fact, none of the commercial carriers that fly here fly full-size jets. And I'm saying all that to say this. If you fly enough and you fly a same or similar route enough, like if you live in Shreveport and you're going American Airlines, you're going to fly every time from Shreveport to Dallas-Fort Worth. You get to know if you fly enough, you'll see a pilot, same guy, every once in a while. Not often, but every once in a while. And not supporting and praying for that pilot, who, by the way, is the captain of the ship, kind of like whoever's president of the United States is the captain of the nation. I'd be stupid to want him to fail. (laughs) I want him to have a very successful flight (laughs) because I'm in the back of the bus. You know what I'm talking about? Joe Biden is our president. Like him, don't like him, he's still the president of the United States. We need to pray for him. Can we get him to change his mind? I'm not talking about praying for that, although I do throw that in when I pray. I'm talking about praying for his health, praying for him to be successful in the rest of his leading us as long as he is president, and to put people in his life that are honest, that he trusts, and that he has an inclination to listen to the things that they suggest to him. We all should be doing that, and I encourage you to do it. So what, I mean, with everything going on, what, what are the big things that are important to this president publicly? Well, I got to be honest with you, this inflation stuff, it's just gone crazy. 7.2%. It's up 7.2% year to date. Wages, average raises. There have been job pay increases but they are less than half of what the inflation rate means. Now, how does that impact them? Well, 
if 7.2% is the inflation rate, that means that you're paying on average across the board a little over 7% for everything you buy. If you got a pay raise, even if you did, not everybody did, but if you did, half of your pay raise is going to go towards the increase for the prices you're paying for everything. You're going to be down 3.5%. More coming out of your pocket for the same goods and services as before. And for those that did not get a pay increase, you're 7.2% out of pocket because of this president. So the polls come out every day. Polling shows inflation, our economy, is the number one concern of the American people, bar none. There are several others. Criminal violence is big. Immigration, southern border stuff is really big. And there are other things, but the stuff that gets your pocketbook are most important. So yesterday, this president, as every president would, and every president should, got before a TV camera to explain how he's going to fix it. Ladies and gentlemen, President Joe Biden speaks. Look, again, slight digression. Inflation is up. It's up. And coming from a family when the price of gas went up, you felt it in the household, you knew what it was like, it matters. But the fact is that if we are able to do the things I'm talking about here, it'll bring down the cost for average families. Bring down the cost for average families. I don't know why they keep moving all that, but the fact is they keep down the cost for average families. And look, the fact is that we're in a situation now where, uh, um, you know, you should have peace of mind. I know food prices are up and we're working to bring them down. As I said, I grew up in a family where price at the pump went up, you fell it. And I understand. But these things are necessities. We're working to bring down prices where they're not totally what the families, in fact, uh, have to pay now. Wow. Of course, that, that took away every bit of your concern. Because you know, just based upon what he said is happening, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, he's on it. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, he's got it figured out. After all, it's Joe Biden, President of the United States. So why don't we bring somebody in to analyze it, somebody that really knows. Have you heard of Representative Jason Smith, member of the House of Representatives? He is the minority leader on one of the economic committees, the ones that are looking at all of this stuff, trying to get some good answers to point this administration in the right way to go. And, of course, they're butting heads with anybody and everybody in this administration. You just heard Joe Biden say, and he didn't come right out and say it, but when he said, look, we're trying these things that will work. They'll take care of the inflation problems of families. We know they will. You know what he's talking about? His Build Back Better legislation that has been out there and it's not going anywhere. Why won't it work? Because the American people who in most part are not uh, economists, they're not out there every day and don't have access to all the numbers like the real economists do. But guess what? We measure 
the success or failure of any economic news or policies that are implemented, we measure it by how they impact us. And none of the crap that's in Build Back Better is going to make life less expensive for anybody. And we get that. Representative Jason Smith, he weighed in in an interview yesterday, and he's a guy that looks at all the numbers. That's what they do. Here he is on Fox Business, Representative Smith. The president needs to come to, to, to outstate America, to real America, to experience what everyday Americans facing whenever they go to the grocery store to, to put food on their table, clothes on their backs, or gasoline in their cars. The check engine light is on and flashing in Biden's economy. We, as Americans, are facing the highest spike in prices in 40 years. We've surpassed 30 trillion. $30 trillion in debt. Businesses have a chronic worker shortage. And then, of course, the supply chain crisis is nowhere to an end. And it's all the result of Biden's economy. Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat, telling the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve to, quote, do something on inflation. This is the White House is said to be asking Congress to pass more federal COVID relief funding. Is it really COVID relief? It's just spending. Manchin the senator writing this, quote, only in Washington, D.C. do people seem to think that spending trillions more of taxpayers' money will cure our problems, let alone inflation. Congressman, your reaction to that? You absolutely cannot spend your way out of inflation. Uh, only, only Joe Biden could spend $2 trillion on COVID and as a nation, we're less prepared. It's insane. It's probably because the original $2 trillion COVID package, less than 9% went towards COVID spending. But you know what? They spent more money, like $2 million to plant trees in Syracuse or $16 million for a golf course in Palm Beach. Give me a break. They, they actually moved $2 billion of COVID money that was supposed to go towards testing to house illegals at the southern border. It's unacceptable. We could sit here and tell stories like you just heard the congressman mention there. I mean, over and over and over that just make absolutely no sense. I'm, I'm not hearing much of anything that makes sense coming out of any part of this Biden administration. And the American polls show that Americans in large, way more than half of Americans now, everybody, I'm even talking about some Democrats. They think Joe Biden is dead wrong on everything. Now, Representative Smith, he mentioned um, what Joe Manchin, Democrat senator from West Virginia, had to say. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, you're going to hear from Senator Joe Manchin himself. Now, he's supposedly a moderate, but he's still a Democrat. But he doesn't like what happens either. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Grab an ice cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. 
Little Caesar's thin crust pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars large thin crust pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Yeah, maybe we can listen to some good 70s music. Kind of calm us down a little bit today, huh? Well, President Biden came out just minutes ago with a recommendation for something he's proposing, something solid he's proposing to fix fix inflation, to fix it, (laughs) to fix inflation. What is it? Well, before we get to the fix that President Biden is offering, we promised Senator Joe Manchin, he was accosted in the Senate, uh, just outside the Senate chamber door with a couple of reporters yesterday, and they asked him about all of this. Now, remember, it's kind of in a crowd. It's in a hallway. It's not like it's in a one-on-one interview. So listen closely to the questions asked and Senator Manchin's explanations and what he thinks needs to happen regarding this massive inflation. Your reaction on Phil's inflation it's, it's, it's time for the It's time for this government and all of us to be serious about the economic situation that we're facing, the financial conditions that we have in our country, and the responsibility that we have as, as the lawmakers. This inflation is real. It's harming people. It's 7.5%. That's a tax. And it continues to increase. It's not decreasing. So the feds have to step up to the plate and do something. The administration has to do. We all have to work together right now to get our financial house in order. If not, it's going to be absolutely horrible what it's going to do to the American economy. You know, what do you think about just yesterday, Speaker Pelosi doubled down, and well, tripled or quadrupled down, I guess, on Build Back Better would help fight inflation? This is not a time to be throwing more fuel on the fire. We have an infl- we have uh, inflation, and we have basically uh, an economy that's on fire. You don't throw more fuel on the fire that's already on fire, causing the problems that we have. So we've got to get our house in order. And it's all about the economy, and it's about the inflation that we're dealing with, and it's about how do you restrain yourself from continuing to throw more fire, more fuel to the fire. Senator, on today's hearing, there's some concern that we're going to get more reliant on raw minerals that this country may not have the more we go toward green, like electric vehicles. Let me just tell you this. I've been very much concerned about that, and I have said I am not going to vote with my vote. I'm not going to vote to put our country in a situation where we're going to be dependent on foreign supply chains for the fuel that we need and how we run our economy. I'm just not going to do it. And you can't throw caution to the wind. We're the greatest nation on earth. We should be able to be energy independent and take care of ourselves. And we can do that while we help our allies around the world. 
we're not doing what we should do and what we could do, and you can't basically just say you wish it away and it happens. You can transition in a responsible way, and that's what we're looking at. But it's, we're all responsible for the climate. We can do it better. You can innovate your way to cleaner climate. You can't eliminate your way. Hmm. You can't eliminate. Well, what has been the, um, the panacea that uh, Joe Biden and others in his administration have turned to to fix all of our economic woes? There's one, and he's used it and attempted to use it even more than once or twice that he's been successful talking Congress into joining him in this effort. What's the answer? It's put more money in the hands of American people. Now, remember this, in the context of that whole process, it's not just, hey, we'll just give you some money. Here's a check. No, that's not the way it works. They have to borrow the money that they send to us. When they do these whoppers, these two, three, four, five trillion dollar bills, all of the spending that is in it, including the money that they send directly to you or I, they have to borrow it. They don't have it. So it just opens up the door to make our economy and make everything to do with the structure of our economy totally upside down. $30 trillion this government has borrowed. $30 trillion. You can't even fathom the number. You can't even think about $1 trillion, yet alone $30 trillion of anything. But folks, Joe's got a fix. Joe's got a fix. Let me tell you what it is. He is once again raising wages for federal employees. Federal employees. This time, 4.6% increase. Federal employees and military service members, if this is ever approved, will receive average raises of 4.6%. It won't go into effect until next January. And of course, that'll be part of the budget that Biden will propose, we're told, in March. Marking what would be the workforce's largest salary hike in two decades. Wow. News of the raise came less than two months since Mr. Biden signed an executive order for an across-the-board federal pay raise of 2.2%. This year, he announced plans back in August give civilian employees a 2.7% average federal pay raise for this year. This latest order was the last step the president must take to finalize pay adjustments of any kind for general schedule employees. The pay raise was described as well above the 1% bump civilian employees received last year, So the news of this, it comes amid 67,000 federal employees having just had their wages raised to $15 an hour at the start of this month. The Washington Post, who broke this story overnight, in its report said the latest raise, at the very least, if not all of the raises, are attributable in part to the influence of President Joe Biden's union buddies. You remember that speech we played? I guess he he made this speech a couple of months ago. And he was bragging about the fact that unions built this nation. 
And the inference he was making is, we owe the unions. And so every financial package I promoted and the ones that have been approved by Congress, there are massive United States taxpayer giveaways that go directly to the unions, not union workers, but to the unions themselves. Biden's approach underscores his administration's close partnership with unions whose collective bargaining power in the federal government is limited to working conditions, not wages, which are set by Congress. Biden established a contrast with the Trump folks early in his presidency with executive orders and rhetoric that shifted course from what was widely viewed as hostility toward civil servants by Trump, which I just gave to you came from a story from the Washington Post. Federal employee unions have enjoyed renewed clout in the Biden administration, for example, by largely setting the direction at some agencies for when their members will return to the office from remote work during the coronavirus pandemic, in some cases pushing return dates well into the spring. Permanent telework is also expected to be a fixture of post-pandemic work life for some federal employees. In the middle of all of that, because, you know, you're going to be in your pajamas sitting in front of a computer working from home. You already got a raise. You got another one on the first of this year. And now, even though you don't have to drive to work anymore, you don't have to wear anything special. So you can sit in your pajamas and do your work from home and you're getting a big raise. Why? Because Joe Biden, he's owing, owing to the labor unions who are out there taking care of you, making sure American taxpayers, you know, the ones that are suffering from Biden's policies and the fact that labor unions get all of this big money that they don't pass along to their union members. And it's a vicious cycle that you're all stuck with because you're an American taxpayer. So what do you do? Sit down and shut up. There's nothing you can do about it. That's the skinny. So I'm sure you've heard about, we haven't talked about it not a single time, this trucker blockade that has been underway in Canada for several weeks now. And I mean, it's turned into a really big deal. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he's lost as a goose in handling it. He's tried to crack a whip. He's tried to reason with people. He's threatened. And folks, I don't know if you know anything about the uh, outside of Detroit. Detroit is literally right across the river from Canada. Windsor, Canada is right across the river from Detroit. And southern Canada, there are a bunch of U.S. automakers, um, places where they make parts for all these vehicles. And a lot of those are shipped across to the United States to assembly plants in states like Michigan. A bunch of them in Michigan, a bunch of them in Ohio and Pennsylvania, Illinois and Indiana. And these, these trucker blockades are keeping, they've actually shut down that bridge from Windsor to Detroit, in fact, day before yesterday, it was totally shut down. Yesterday, they had a few trucks that were allowed over, 
And so it's really creating some difficulty. Justin Trudeau, what does he do when all the stuff he tried to use to stop this blockade and get business back in the transportation commercial sector in Canada? Nothing's work. Nothing's working at all. So what does he do? Well, he turns to his compadre in Washington and he gets advice from the enlightened one, Joe Biden. So what did Biden tell Trudeau he should use? Well, I mean, the way Biden's handled this mask mandate, these vaccine mandates, the lockdowns, all those kind of things that he's been so successful at doing, he told Trudeau, use the Canadian federal powers to quell the truck blockade that has halted the flow of auto parts across the Ambassador Bridge. That Freedom Convoy, those protests, had blocked traffic on that bridge, as we said. The White House said Homeland Security, the master of everything to do with breaking totalitarian security processes into this government, Mayorkas, along with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, they spoke with these Canadian counterparts in government and urged them to help resolve the standoff. A federal government official said they're not ruling out any options. The official spoke on condition of anonymity as they were not authorized to speak publicly. So what did the Biden administration said? Justin, crack down on them. Do whatever it takes. Both Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and the Teamsters Union, they blasted the blockades. It's hitting paychecks and production lines. It's unacceptable. Well, novel idea. Why don't you just consider what they're doing? Folks, we've heard the media just go nuts on these truckers up there. They talk about their far-right groups, fringe groups, swastikas painted on stuff, violence and all that kind of stuff. None of that has happened. They're anti-vaxxers, those evil conservatives. A huge percentage of the truckers involved in this have been vaccinated for a long time. It's not about that. What is it, what's it about? It's about government power in total disregard for the people's wishes. Folks, as bad as it's been in the Biden administration, the Trudeau government in Canada, it's been much worse. I mean, not as bad as Australia, and we've told you some of the stuff that's happened down in Australia but almost as bad. It's really been bad. You can't get away with anything. And Trudeau is just like many of the uh, governors around the United States, people in Congress on the left. They love the fact that they, along with their president, have the power to make Americans do things and stop Americans from doing things at will. But a bunch of these people, they don't follow their own edicts. These governors... They don't follow any lockdowns. They don't follow any vaccine mandates, certainly not mask mandates. While they're making the people that they govern, making them sick, shutting down their lives, scaring them to death. Exactly the type of federal powers that Trudeau could employ to stop the blockade. They didn't get into that, the specifics, though. The prime minister has said the military is off the table for now. 
Local tow truck companies have refused to cooperate with authorities who tried to get them just to tow the trucks away. Chairman of the Detroit International Bridge Company, the owner of the Ambassador Bridge, said the blockade cannot continue any longer. He outlined three ways for the government to stop the protest. One, end the protest by repealing the mandates and recognizing that while the vast majority of truck divers are vaccinated, there are some who, for many reasons, are choosing not to get vaxxed, but deserve to be respected and allowed to do their jobs and serve our countries with dignity. That's number one. I'll come back and tell you my thoughts about number one in just a moment. Number two, remove the vehicles blocking the Ambassador Bridge so commerce and trade can resume. Number three, do nothing and hope this ends on its own, an option that will mostly prolong the blockade, further crippling our economy and putting more jobs at risk. Let's go back to number one. End the protest by repealing the mandate and recognizing that while the vast majority of truck drivers are vaxxed, there are some who, for many reasons, are choosing not to get vaccinated, but deserve to be respected and allowed to do their jobs and serve our countries with dignity. Now, let's put what this is all about in the context of the problem being some of them are not vaccinated. How dare they? You're not vaccinated. You're going to infect everybody you come in contract with. Folks, we're talking about 18-wheeler drivers, 18-wheeler drivers. Let me tell you how you keep 18-wheeler drivers from infecting anybody they come in contact with, with COVID-19 or any other thing they possess. Go to the truck stops. Here's how you stop it. In the restaurants at the truck stops, put up dividers between the booths. You stop it. Folks, these guys and these female truckers, they're not in contact with people while they're doing their jobs. When they bring their their loads to these unloading places, they back those 18-wheelers up, and people inside the warehouses, they drive the forklifts onto the trucks and unload everything. The truckers can stay up front and listen to the radio. This is stupid. It's absolutely stupid to shut a nation down and to, in doing so, impact our nation, our auto nation, which the new car automobile business in the United States is basically slowed to a woe. They can't get parts. They can't get the electronics that go into all of the recent car models over the last decade or so. They can't even get the chips. This government top-down insanity. You know the only reason why the United States economy has worked so well for all the uh, 250 years, folks? It's because the government has kept their noses out of the day-to-day operations. We've let the bureaucrats, the politicians, do what they do and just leave us alone and let us run the economy. Oh, we'll send you money. You can call it taxes, whatever you want to call it. And by the way, if you leave us alone... Every year, we'll put more money up there in Washington, D.C. for you to spend if you'll just let us do what we do while you do what you do and leave us alone. Americans understand this. Most politicians don't. It's gotten so bad. Listen to this. 
we we talk about CNN and MSNBC and the Washington Post, New York Post, the far left media folks. They have been, are in, and will always be in for whoever is not conservative, whoever is not Republican that's in office. But folks, CNN did a poll. (laughs) And CNN's watchers, all three of them, (laughs) they've gone off the reservation for Joe. Six in ten Americans that were polled by CNN, 60% disapprove of how Joe is handling his presidency. Most of that group say there's literally nothing Biden has done since he took office that they approve of. This is CNN's poll. The latest one taken January 10th through February 6th showed 58% disapprove of his job performance compared to just 41% who still approve. I don't know who those idiots are, but 41% they polled approved. 60, excuse me, 58% disapprove, 41 approve. That reflects a seven-point increase in the number who disapprove from the last CNN poll taken in December last year. That's CNN. That's what the left, people on the left. And guess what? In all of the other polls, when it comes out, the numbers are very close to that. Guess who has joined almost in total the conservatives, the Republicans in polling about this administration in total support of the conservatives? The independents out there, people that aren't registered Republican, they're not registered Democrat, they call themselves moderates. They stand in the middle and they don't vote based upon the party that any candidate runs for office embraces. They vote based upon the candidate, whoever it is, and the policies that each candidate is presenting. And they may not like, they may not like a Republican. So they'll vote against the person, the Republican and vote for the person that's running against them. Even the independents are almost 100% in negative on Joe Biden's job performance. What do you do? How do you make a change? And oh, by the way, (laughs) regarding this president administration, what are your options? Well, in the line of secession, if the president leaves office, the vice president assumes it. That would be Vice President Kamala Harris. Well, what happens if Joe for whatever reason, leaves office, and Kamala Harris is there, and for whatever reason, she leaves office, who do we have then? In the line of secession, Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) So is it pick your poison or just try to straighten up what's there if it's at all possible to straighten it up and at least tread water until 2024 till we can get some insanity out of office and get some sanity to replace that. I don't know. But let me tell you this. There are some people that have some ideas and have gone public just kind of leaking some possibilities. You're not going to believe this. (laughs) I'm not even going to tease you. But let me just say this. There's somebody out there 
that is just about ready to jump in. And it's probably, you'll laugh, you'll cry, but in either case, it'll blow your mind. That's next. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry, dragon fruit, and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. We are the law. Accountant. The Law Accounting. I know what you're thinking. Are we lawyers? Are we accountants? Well, it's a complicated question, probably requiring the services of a lawyer and an accountant. Is that us? Well, what do you think? Seems to me that there's a lot of you out there who might need the use of the Law Accounting. But that's not legal advice. That's life advice. In fact, we're legally barred from providing legal advice. The Law Accounting. Officially unlicensed since 2005. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home. But now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. Boy, is that an exaggeration. (laughs) Speaking the truth, the mainstream media will not. We've been doing that for three years now. Can you believe that? We're in the third year, not the third calendar year. We hadn't been doing this quite three years. But um, even before that, when we opened www.truthnewsnet.org and started publishing stories, um, we started from the very beginning just doing what we're doing now. Didn't decide to do the show until March. It'll be two years ago in a couple of months. But every time, every day, every story, Every show, we concentrate on finding the truth and bringing it to you. It's not easy, folks. There are a lot of controversial things out there that we see and hear all day long that we struggle to get the real facts. In a lot of cases, the ones that are presented to us as facts are anything but factual. And sometimes we know that just doesn't sound right. It doesn't smell right. But we don't know the truth about it, and so we just have to tread water for a while. That's not fun. But I'll be honest with you, it's better than making a decision about something based totally on what we were told, and it turns out to be untruthful. We don't want that to happen. So what is out there? What's in the wind? What's a possibility? Who, if we could get rid of this president and didn't have to deal with the line of secession, you know, Kamala Harris VP, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Is there any other alternative? 
Well, yesterday on the same day that inflation hit a 40-year high, there was also a signal that somebody is working hard behind the scenes to maintain their relevancy in the Democrat Party. This person is supposed to speak at the New York State Democrat Convention next week. CNBC reported that, citing a person familiar with the arrangement. This person is supposedly beloved by the mainstream members of the Democrat Party, and this person's popularity is likely higher than that of this president, the source says. It's good for this person because it keeps them relevant. And their appearance is likely meant to galvanize the party and the audience. And this is all happening when Joe Biden's approval rating dropped below 40% this week for the first time he took office. We just told you about that. Something's got to happen. While a January NBC News poll showed that Biden's approval rating among adults stood at 43% versus 54% disapproving, an even worse result showed that only 15% of participants strongly approve of the president's job. Jay Jacobs, who's the chair of the New York State Democratic Party, failed to respond when he was asked about this person and what was going on there. So who is it? Are you eating or drinking anything right now? If you are, stop for a moment. I don't want you to throw up or I don't want you to spit out a mouthful of coffee or tea or whatever you're drinking. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. She is now setting the stage for what would prove to be her third White House run She fails short to Barack Obama in the 08 Democrat primary. And then she got beat by Donald Trump in 2016. Two former allies, Doug Schoen and Andrew Stein, they penned a Wall Street Journal op-ed declaring it may be time for a change candidate. And they referenced, among other things, concerns about Biden's mental capacity. I think pretty much all of us share their concerns. A perfect storm and the Democrat Party is making a once unfathomable scenario plausible. A political comeback for Hillary in 2024. Several circumstances. President Biden's low approval rating, doubts over his capacity to even run for re-election at age 82, Vice President Harris's unpopularity and the absence of any other strong Democrat to lead the ticket in 2024, that altogether has created a leadership vacuum in the party, which Mrs. Clinton viably could fill. Now, she herself suggested a play to the middle. In other words, get away from the far left stuff and move to the middle, become a moderate That came out last month in an interview on Sunday Today. Clinton appeared to distance herself from the very unpopular agenda being pushed by radical left Democrats. Biden took, if you remember, a similar approach when he campaigned in 2020. But basically, folks, when he took the oath of office, he just surrendered to the far left 
AOC and her ilk are the ones that are really pushing Joe Biden to do everything he's doing. I think that is a time for some careful thinking about what and who wins elections. And not just in deep blue districts where a Democrat and a liberal Democrat or so-called progressive Democrat is going to win, Hillary said in this interview. I understand why people want to argue for their priorities. That's what they believe, and that's what they were elected to do. Okay, they want to put somebody out there that could win. I mean, I'd have to stop right there if I was even doing a list of names of possibilities. Hillary's lost the presidential bid three different times. What makes anybody think that it's not Democrats per se, because Democrats are going to vote for whoever's on the Democrat ticket running against whoever's on the Republican ticket in the election in 2024, period. Democrats will vote for her, but nobody else will. And I'm not sure every Democrat will. But one thing, I can, only, I can only tell you point blank, there is one person in America that will never vote for Hillary Clinton, and that's me. <laughs> but there are a lot of other people, a bunch of Democrats I know, that what they would do, I think this time, folks, even this time, I think they would refuse to hold their noses and go ahead and vote for Hillary just because she's a Democrat. She's got way too much baggage, and I'm not talking about anything physical, although that's pretty tough for me. I'm talking about her politics, and she's got a lot of history, a lot of history. Well, I told you, I promised you, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana was going to be here, and he wants to talk to you about something, and I think it's about time for us to go ahead and do that. What does he have to tell us? Well, you probably heard about the policy, what was about to happen. The Biden administration was going to fund a bunch of nonprofits who would do this. They were going to make it easy for every um, every crack addict, cocaine addict, well, not everyone. It was going to appeal only to people of color, African-Americans. How were they going to do it? They were going to set up these clinics. They are. It's not were. They are going to set up these clinics at which, on your dollars, $30 million of our tax dollars, they're going to give crack pipes and other paraphernalia to these um, equity people, the ones that we owe this to. We need to make life easier for not just every person that uses crack or methamphetamine and smokes it. But we've got to pander to those who are African-Americans. They really pushed this out there. And it was promoted. And then we heard yesterday that there may be a little uh, washing of the narrative by the Biden administration. And they are saying, well, we're not sure it will include the actual crack pipes, but we want to make it safe. You know, if you're going to smoke... If you're going to smoke crack, if you're going to smoke meth, you know, we're going to spend $30 million to make it okay for you to do it because we don't want you to get hurt. Now, there's a conundrum. 
novel idea. Why don't you just stop smoking crack? But that would be that would be something a Republican would say. A Democrat, ooh, let's just throw some money at it. It'll fix it. So last night on Hannity, Senator Kennedy was there and his, his, his usual statesman form, he addressed the issue with some great statesmanship. <laughs> You're going to giggle a little bit, but listen to the wisdom of Senator John Kennedy. Once again, intelligence is chasing the Biden administration. <laughs> but the Biden administration is managing to beat it. Uh, this entire controversy, in my judgment, Sean, is why millions of Americans tonight are thinking, you know, Republicans aren't perfect, and God knows we're not. But the other side is crazy. Now think about this. The pres President Biden has decided to take $30 million of taxpayer money from his emergency COVID bill that he passed with Democratic support last March. And he wants to use it to facilitate the smoking of crack cocaine and meth in the name of racial justice, racial equity. He, he says his people say they can make the smoking of crack cocaine and meth safer. First, why are they using COVID money? Number two, why are they using any money at all? There, there's no safe way to smoke crack or meth. Sooner or later, it kills you. And that's just a fact. Why do we want to facilitate it? Why, Americans are asking themselves, wouldn't we, we take this money and use it to help people get off, the, get off the illicit drugs? Why wouldn't we take this money, the American people are asking themselves, and use it to stop the drugs from coming in our country in the first place by securing the border. And what, is, what does any of this have to do with racial justice? Crack cocaine and meth, whether you smoke it or inject it, will kill you. It doesn't matter what color you are or, or what your gender is. Now look, stupidity is a lot like pornography. It's very hard to define, but you know it when you see it. This is stupidity. <laughs> this is stupidity. I don't think you can make it any plainer than that. It just doesn't make sense. But, you know, we see so many things today in politics from our leaders about everything that just doesn't make sense. You know, something we haven't even talked about on this show this morning, and we need to talk about it, just this one part of it, stuff to do with COVID-19. You know, there's so much pushback across the nation from Americans about the vaccines, about mask wearing, about social distancing and lockdowns, all of the moving parts that seem to be moving when they shouldn't be. Those so-called experts have been telling us from the beginning, well, I don't even need to go there. You know all of what they've been telling us. You've heard it all just like I have. But A plus B is not equaling C, like it always has in my life. And Americans are pushing the pause button in great numbers and are looking for real answers about it. Well, you would think our government would step forward and give us answers, all the information that they have about everything to do with this. Of course, 
They would be basing their decisions on facts that the experts uncover, experts like Dr. Fauci, Dr. Deborah Birx, those in the White House that uh, are experts, medical experts, and tell us they know everything. And instead of just giving their summaries of what they say the evidence proves, let us get a gander at the evidence and make our choices about the truth or the falsehood about what they're telling us. Do that for ourselves. Well, there's some news that came out yesterday, and it centered around a Netflix reality TV star, Maya Vander. Now, I'm not sure what her show is that she's on. I'm not sure of the name. But she's going through some really, really tough times right now. Yesterday, she told her fans of her devastating grief after she delivered a stillborn baby at 38 weeks of pregnancy just before Christmas. Now, if you're like me, I had to do the math. 38 weeks, that sounds a little long into a pregnancy for me, 38 weeks. Nine months, four weeks, that's about 36 weeks. So this baby, obviously, was full term. So here's what she said. Hang in there. You're not, you're not going to believe this. She said, yesterday was the hardest day of my life. And she posted on her Instagram a picture of new baby clothes in a memory box she was taking home from hospital instead of her baby boy. I always heard of it, but never imagined I'll be part of the statistics. Vander is a Beverly Hills real estate agent. She stars on the show Selling Sunset. I haven't seen it. And she had posted a picture of herself back in November from a pregnancy shoot and looked like she was the picture of health. She has been described as fully vaccinated by U.S. Magazine, Us Magazine. Vander has two other kids, Iden, age two, and daughter Ellie, age one. After she lost this baby, she wrote in a magazine interview that she had felt less movement from the baby a few days before she learned her baby had died, and also that her husband and two children were COVID positive, although she had tested negative. She said the baby, who was perfect and weighed seven pounds and four ounces, is going to be autopsy to find the cause of death. Of course, there was a flurry of sympathetic news coverage about her loss, but not a single article dared to ask the burning questions. Did COVID shots during her pregnancy have something to do with this baby's death? Or did COVID have something to do with it and the COVID shots failed? What shots did she take? Pfizer. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. Horrible travesty she went through, and we'll go through. We lost a grandbaby ourselves, our youngest daughter. Happily got pregnant. She and her husband had waited for five or six years to get pregnant. Everything was going well, and about five months into the pregnancy, they found out there was a problem with the baby. Shortly after that, the baby died. To this day, folks, I will tell you this. Her name is Emerson, and she's still with us in spirit. The toughest time of my life was driving up to that cemetery. 
than seeing my grandbaby in that little white coffin. So I know what Vander is going through, even though I'm not a mother and I don't know what it is for a mother. I can only imagine her agony. So about what the facts are in this whole process, a group called Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency asked Pfizer to share the raw data from their COVID vaccine trials and post-marketing surveillance that was used to license the shot. The pharmacy giant linked up with the FDA to refuse the FOIA, which is the Freedom of Information Act request from this group. In fact, the FDA that's supposed to mean to serve and protect our public health, they hired Justice Department lawyers and went to court to shield the pharmaceutical giant from having to reveal its data for 55 years. <laughs> 55 years. Yes, that's right. The FDA and Pfizer did not want any of us to see the numbers behind their COVID vaccine until 2076. Thank God a judge ruled that the FDA and Pfizer would have to answer the FOIA request. So they started handing over the first parts of the report. The first part handed over by Pfizer, it was a titled this, Cumulative Analysis of Post-Authorization Adverse Event Reports. And the report described events reported to Pfizer up until February of this year. Excuse me, February of 2021. Now listen to the listen to this this information that's in this report that the FDA and Pfizer they wanted to hide it until 2076. It reveals that Pfizer received more than 150,000 serious adverse event reports within three months of rolling out its COVID shot. But we're just going to focus on one table of the data on pregnant and lactating women who received the shots in the first few months of the rollout, which began December 11th. Most of these women would have been healthcare workers. Remember that, because that was the group the first rounds of shots went to, those frontline workers. As the clinical trials preceding the rollout excluded pregnant women, these would have been the first pregnant and lactating women to have ever received the vaccines. Table 6. This table states that 270 of unique pregnancies that were exposed to the vaccine, no outcome was provided. Of the 270, 238 pregnancies, there was no outcome in the report. So what does this leave? 32 pregnancies with known outcomes. So of 270, we have the details of what happened in 32 of those pregnancies. Listen to this. Pfizer's report states that of the 32, 23 resulted in spontaneous abortions miscarriages, two premature births with neonatal death, two spontaneous abortions with intrauterine death, one spontaneous abortion with neonatal death, and one pregnancy, one pregnancy, one, with normal outcome. That means that 
of the 32 pregnancies with known outcome, 28 resulted in fetal death. Pfizer's report states there were five pregnancies with outcome pending, as well as the 238 with no outcome provided. But 32 minus 28 equals four, not five. Did you get all that? Now, let me, let me just point something out that is just mind-boggling. I got this information. I got it. I got it last night. When everybody else was watching the 2022 Winter Olympics and were reporting on it, TNN Live found this. I think this is probably a little more important than what Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin think about Joe Biden while they're hand-in-hand at the 2022 Winter Olympics. This is something that has been purposely hidden by all of the bureaucratic experts at the top of this entire thing. We give you, every Monday, we give you the latest CDC numbers that chronicle the numbers of reported adverse vaccine events that happen, and it's always broken down. If you weren't with us Monday... I'll give you the latest numbers, at least a few of them. Through January 28th, that's the latest numbers that have been reported by the CDC. On this report, it tells that from adverse events that happen from the vaccines, not COVID, but from the vaccines, 23,149 people died. Numbers of hospitalizations from the adverse reactions. 124,445. Cases of Bell's palsy, 13,573. Heart attacks, 11,765. Miscarriages? We just heard from Table 6 of the Pfizer report. Miscarriages, 3,903. Now, you may say, I mean, we got 330 million people in the nation. They tell us at least 200 million have been vaccinated. That You know, that's a lot of people that died, a lot of hospitalizations, Bell's palsy, heart attacks. You know, maybe it was because of the vaccine. Maybe it wasn't. 3,900 miscarriages. That's always bad because you lose babies in that. Let me give you the facts, the real horizon, the real uh, background, backdrop to put these numbers in. The CDC tells us these are not the actual numbers of each of these segments of the vaccine adverse events reports because not everybody, not every hospital, not every coroner turns these reports in in a timely fashion. And when asked what the multiple would be, what the percentage is of the probable, the most likely total numbers for those in each one of these categories. You know what that multiple is? 41. In other words, 23,149 deaths is likely to be 41 times 23,000. You do the math. Miscarriages, 3,903 reported to the CDC. It's likely... 41 times that. Our government knows this. Our government 
knew this. The FDA knows this. The FDA knew this. This is the only time in United States history, the only time, where any medication, and folks, this all didn't just happen from Pfizer, lumped into this, or Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. They have a bunch of adverse reactions to their vaccines as well. But the totals are all lumped in here. The people at Moderna knew this. The people at Johnson & Johnson knew this. Anthony Fauci knew this. Joe Biden knew this. And yet they've done nothing about it. Normal circumstances, we wrote a story about 60 days ago, a story about what is an acceptable number according to FDA policies, an acceptable number of not just adverse reactions to vaccines throughout vaccine history in the U.S., but especially deaths. And we actually published a list of every medicine, every vaccine that has, and not just vaccines, but every medicine that was ever formally approved, totally approved for the American people by the FDA, that was later withdrawn. The list is not as nearly as long as I thought it would be. But folks, there's not an FDA authorization ever been pulled from a medicine that even comes close to the adverse reactions that we have documented, that the FDA, that the CDC has documented. If it wasn't a 41 times multiple of these numbers that the CDC publishes, if it was just... The numbers, 23,149 deaths. They would yank it, make it go off the market, and would do it instantaneously. The FDA knows these numbers. Anthony Fauci knows these numbers. The Surgeon General knows these numbers. You know these numbers. What's being done? What's being done? You want me to answer it? Nothing. In fact, the exact opposite is true. If you don't get vaccinated, you're an evil person. And there are people in places and positions of power that think if you refuse the vaccine, in part or in all because of what you're hearing now coming out about the facts, they want you locked in your house They want you to be refused to be participating in anything in public whatsoever. In fact, there are major groups of very powerful people in politics that want anybody that refuses COVID vaccinations to be put in internment camps. You got to keep those evil people segregated from the knowledgeable ones of us that we bowed at the altar of COVID-19, the COVID God, Anthony Fauci. Folks, we're living in that world. Right now, you and I, we're in it. Long live the courageous. May God bless and keep you May you the tenacious. May you do for the ones who push forward do for you. and give back. 
Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel. The printing press. The internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&Ms. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&Ms. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes! M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. So whenever this topic about COVID-19 and the VAERS report, reactions, what should be done, what's being done, why is it all happening, why and who are caught up and the evil about this. Let me tell you what I've done. And I did this months and months and months ago. It all began for me when Dr. Judy Mikovits came on our show. March in two months. Well, next month. It will have been two years since Dr. Judy Mikovits came on the show. Spent an hour and 15 minutes interviewed. She had just got out of a gag order put on her. She had to agree to keep from being prosecuted with no charges. She was Anthony Fauci's partner throughout all of the 90s when they were working so diligently to find a vaccine for HIV AIDS. And in the middle of all of that, she wrote a scientific paper as a doctor, as a researcher on the same level as Dr. Anthony Fauci, And it was going to be revolutionary, and it ended up being revolutionary. Fauci, as the head of the NIH, uh, the division that he is the head of now, he demanded that she give him the rights to that paper. She refused and continually refused to do it. She was going to publish it under her own name. Three days later, in the middle of the night, her husband and her were awakened as unmarked federal agents in unmarked vehicles stormed their house, tore the house apart looking for documents and information, and they found that story, that paper that she was going to publish. They took her and took her to some secret place. It was a prison. She didn't know where it was. They kept her for weeks couldn't talk to anybody, couldn't talk to a lawyer. She was never charged with any kind of federal law breaking, any kind at all. And they forced her, they forced her 
to sign documentations that she would never talk about this for 10 years. She came on our show three weeks after the gag order expired. And folks, you can go back you can go back and listen to that interview. You can go all the way back, scheduled back. It's in March last, uh, two years ago. I can't remember the exact date. But you can go look up the history of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, uh, TuneIn Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, Stitcher, and Google. And you can grab those shows. And if you can't find it easily and you want it, just send me an email, dan at truthnewsnet.org, dan at truthnewsnet.org, and we'll send you a link to it. Stuff she told us was going to happen. This is way before Fauci, there was ever any question about him. Remember, he'd only been uh, in the White House briefings for 60 days at that time, and she predicted everything that has happened, happened. Seriously. The love of money is the root of all evil. I didn't say that. Somebody much wiser than I did. And money drives corruption. It always has, and it always will. We're going to end on that note. Make sure to pass this show around and how for people to get it that couldn't listen in today. And for those of you that are here today and every day, I want to say thanks. You're a godsend for me. And we're going to end with a song today. A Christian song, an uplifting song, and it's one I totally agree with.
is love.